because it speaks right to our heart, our conscience, uh, and, and it leads us, God. And so we're so thankful for it. Pray this morning, God, we'd just be sensitive to you, that we would be uh, have an ear to hear what your spirit would say to us personally, God. I thank you for that you have an individual message for everyone here, Lord. So just lift up this morning to you, God. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this is not working very well. Maybe that's better. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, it says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented not at the preaching of Jonah. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Uh, I read that because Jonah is one of the books, one of the most probably famous books in the Bible, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, and and it's also one of the most controversial books in the Bible because some people don't believe it, that Jonah was swallowed by a fish, that there was a fish or a whale that swallowed a man. But what Jesus does is he dispel, dispels any doubt, any anyone, any critic that says the, the, the book of Jonah and what happened to Jonah is not true. Gina, Jesus calls him a prophet. He said he was three days and three nights in the belly of, of the fish. And then he talks about this revival that happened in Nineveh, in Nineveh. Really, it's the greatest revival in human history to the probably the most wicked nation on the planet, at least at that time for sure. Uh, uh, but what they used to do was brutal. Their war crimes were heinous. They would skin people alive. They would cut people's tongues out and ears off and fingers. And they were a brutal people. When they would come into, when people would know they're coming to their city, people would surrender before they got there or they would commit suicide. It was so bad. So Jesus qualifies Jonah as a real prophet. And what happened to him really took place. So if you would, Jeff's got off for two weeks, so we're going to be in the book of Jonah for the next two weeks. Uh, uh, if you want to turn with me to the book of Jonah, we'll be there. Jonah chapter 1. And Jonah is an autobiography. He pens this by the Holy Spirit for you and I, for lessons for us to learn, valuable lessons. And, and Jonah's message is simple. It's different than all the other prophets. It's, it's basically uh, eight words, uh, 40 days, yet 40 days, and Nineveh, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Right? Simple message Jonah has for that nation. But there's a greater lesson here for us this morning. Thankful for Jonah. Verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah 
the son of Amittai, saying. So Jonah, his name means dove. Amittai means true to God. Jonah probably had a great godly heritage and upbringing. He's a prophet, right? Mom and dad invested in this kid. You might be a mom and dad that invested in a, uh, in a child that's maybe not doing very well today. Maybe who's wayward. He's walked away. There's hope for you in the book of Jonah, because that's who Jonah was. Jonah was a prophet, raised, knew the Bible. We're going to see in the next chapter, as Jonah prays in the belly of the fish, man, he quotes verse after verse after verse of the Psalms, right? He knows the Bible. We're going to see that Jonah knows God's voice. He hears his word. That's a, a, a privilege Jonah had, man. He knew God's voice. He could sense God speaking to him. He had God's word. And the privilege that we have today as believers is we don't need a prophet and we don't have to wait until Sunday morning to hear God's voice. You don't have to wait to hear from Pastor Jeff next Sunday or in two Sundays like, what is God telling me? What is he saying to me? What should I do with my life? Where am I going? Right? You don't have to turn there. It says this in the book of Hebrews. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Right? We have the word of God. You can leave here, go home, say, Lord, what do you want to tell me? You know the situation I'm in, what I'm going through? Speak to me. And that's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants you to know his voice. Right? Because there's another voice out there the Bible talks about. It's the voice of a roaring lion who wants to make you afraid and lead you astray. You need to know God's voice. Very important. And Jonah had that privilege. He grew up with parents that knew God, walked with God, raised him. And he was sensitive to God's voice. So God gives him instructions. Right? God gives him instructions. He says in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come before me. Here's his instructions, his directions. So simple. Right? Three steps. Arise, go to Nineveh, and cry against it. Right? God keeps instructions for us fairly simple. Uh, husbands, love your wives, right? Wives, respect your husbands, submit to them, right? God generally keeps instructions kind of simple, and he gives us the power to obey them. Confusion comes in when we try to control an outcome or a situation, God tells you something to do or gives me something to do, and we don't like it. And we think, uh-uh. I don't like the Ninevites. I don't like what they're doing, who they are. They don't deserve any forgiveness from me. They don't even deserve a warning. They don't deserve a warning. And confusion comes in 
And manipulation comes in when we try to control an outcome, especially when it goes against God's word. He sends Jonah there in verse 2 for a reason, because of their wickedness. Sometimes we think, God, don't you see what they're doing? Can't you see how they're treating me or how they're treating this person? Right? God tells Jonah, Jonah, I see their wickedness. I know what's going on. I see what's taking place. We think, does God care? Can he do anything? Does he want to do anything? But Jonah knew something because he knew the Lord. Jonah knew something that sometimes we forget, we overlook. Judgment's coming. God wants to warn these people that probably deserve judgment, right? They're, they're brutal. If you look up the, uh, you know, the war crimes and things the Ninevites did, terrible, terrible. Uh, Nazi Germany may not have been as bad. Very, very bad what they did. And, and, and Jonah didn't like them, but God saw it. But Jonah also knew something else. You don't have to turn there. I'll read this to you. In the book of Peter, Peter writes this. In chapter 3, verse 9, God, and Jonah understood this, that this was the heart of God. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come repentance. Jonah knew that there was a chance if he shared this message of doom, this warning, that there was an opportunity for someone to respond. Sometimes we don't want to give people an opportunity. We want to see God's wrath come. You think Jonah would say, let's do it. What? 40 days and judgment is coming? Let's go. I'll be the one to deliver that message because I want to see judgment coming. I want to see you do something. These guys deserve it. But Jonah had insight. He knew that God wanted to redeem these people. Were they worthy of it? Heck no. Are we worthy of it? No. You're not worthy either. And I'm not worthy. But he's long-suffering. You know, you read that verse, don't you think we should be long-suffering? Don't you think we should be patient with people? We're not a lot of times. Man, somebody does something to me, a lot of times I want to retaliate. I want to get them back. Try to do it the Christian way. You know, I'll get you back. I just have to be patient. We wait to get you my own way. I'll figure it out. Right? Jonah knew something, and we'll look at this next week. I'll just read it in chapter 4. Here's what happens on the other side of repentance. It displeased Jonah, verse 1 of chapter 4, exceedingly, and he became angry. This is not the outcome he wanted. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, oh, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know 
that you're a gracious and merciful God. You're slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Man, isn't it good to know that you can fall on the mercies of God and the graces of God when you failed? Right? It's good to know that for us. We don't necessarily want other people to know that or be able to do that. So Jonah's angry. Forgiveness isn't always easy. It's sometimes easy on the mission field or if you go with a, a group somewhere, if you head down with eight days of hope and go serve people with, in a natural disaster or you're, you're somewhere and, or you go with Russ and Ann at the soup bus up in Rochester and, man, hand out meals and do all these different things and, and, and nothing quite hits home, right? Have compassion. We love people. You know, man, they're living a rough life. There's drugs, there's alcohol, there's uh, uh, adultery, all kinds of crazy things going on. And But when it hits home, and I want to withhold any kind of forgiveness or chance of forgiveness when it hits home. So God gives him instructions. And verse 3 says, but Jonah... Right? I tell my son Josh, hey Josh, go clean your room and, and, and butt Josh. Right? Clean your room. That's make your bed, sweep your floor, clean up your uh, dresser, put away your clothes, bring your dirty clothes down, and, and not that Josh does this. But you go in his room and the clothes might be put away or the bed's made. But not, you know, we can be selective in our obedience, right? And selective obedience is disobedience. It's rebellion, right? That's what it is. There's a lot to unpack in this verse, but Jonah says this, he arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Man, three simple steps, he does one. You know what? But Jonah doesn't excuse what he's doing. He just runs. He's on the run. He doesn't spiritualize his decision or tag a scripture on it like some people do. Like, I just felt the Lord leading me to this, you know, adulterous relationship. It just... This was the Lord. I just sensed it. There's a scripture for it. He doesn't do that. He just goes on the run. And notice Jonah's digression. As we go through this, Jonah continues to go down, down, down. And he's in a full-on like re resignation of his prophetship. Right? He's supposed to go northeast. And he heads as far west as he can possibly go to Spain. He's supposed to go 500 miles east, and he heads 2,000 miles west. Ever feel like doing that? Like, no way. I'm, on, I'm running. I'm going to hide. I'm out of here. And Jonah didn't know the digression and what was going to take place in his life and how hard things were going to get stepping out of God's will. Sometimes, sometimes people make decisions based on their feelings or an impulse. Jonah may have done that. He might, oh, this just feels so good. 
It feels so bad, the idea of going in that direction, but man, this feels so good. This is what I want to do, right? Just impulsively wants to make himself happy and so he runs in the opposite direction and heads the wrong way. And it says he paid the fare. What was it? Ten dollars? Hundred dollars? A thousand? Who knows? It was a long trip, right? But ultimately, he had no idea the price he was going to pay. He had no idea the price other people were going to pay because you never sin to yourself. You make bad decisions. It doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone. We're going to see that here in Jonah's life. That This sin, what he did, is going to affect everyone. And he thinks initially probably, man, the Lord provided the money. The Lord provided the ship. This is amazing, right? He could, right? He could say that. Some people do say that. Look at this is just God's perfect timing, right? This is amazing that God did this. It's not the Lord. So he pays the fare and he went down and he goes with these men to Tarshish, right? He goes with these men. Who's he hanging out with now? He hangs out with guys going in the same direction, and that's the way it is. When people are running from the Lord or somebody's walking in sin, man, they quit coming to church, Bible studies, they quit hanging out. You don't get the phone call anymore, right? Because they're not doing well. And they start hanging out with people who think the same, who believe the same things. Right? And in rebellion, they can think the boat and the money is from the Lord. And, and ultimately, when the storm comes and the fish show up, that's the devil. Oh, man, he's blocking my way. And people do that when they're in sin. Everything's backwards and upside down. And he finds these people going in the same direction. And we're drawn to people who think like us. And Psalm 1 warns us of that, right? That we're not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. But, or in contrast to, to that, your delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. And in that law, we meditate day and night, right? We want to do what the Bible says. We want to walk with the Lord. Unfortunately, so many people are in a workplace situation where that's all they're getting is people trying to pour in their input into your life. Your marriage is going south. Something's happening in your life. And you're not looking for counsel in the Bible. You've gotten out of the word, Bible study. You're not calling your friends anymore. And these people who are well-meaning, caring people that you've worked with, nice people, and they start saying, man, you deserve to be happy, happier than that. I can't believe he's gambling. I can't believe he's, what? You need to find someone better. You deserve better. And these people begin to give you worldly counsel and to you that's making sense you're right i need some more me time and more you know whatever it is and you begin thinking like them and taking their counsel and the next thing you know 
You're running. The Bible says in Corinthians that bad company corrupts good morals, good 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 actions, right? When you start hanging out with the wrong people, all of a sudden you start doing what they're doing, right? Hey, let's stop for one on the way home. Hey, let's stop at the casino. Let's stop here. Let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. What can it hurt? You need to be very careful. The place that God has placed you to be salt and light, you become quenched. And then you can start running. It says twice in that verse that he is trying to flee from God's presence. That's, that's you know, a lesson in futility here because he can't flee God's presence. The whole next chapter, he's going to quote psalm after psalm. He's very well, of what, very well aware of what David said in Psalm 139. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? It doesn't matter if I go to hell or the outermost parts of the sea. You're going to be there, right? You can run. Get to where you're going. It can be another state, another country. You sit down, get yourself established, and the Lord's sitting right there. Like, hey, what took you so long? What are you doing here? Right? God doesn't let you go. He's not letting you go. So he thinks he's going to flee God's presence. And sometimes things happen, you know, like Moses, you do the right thing the wrong way. God says, Moses, I want you to give my children water. Speak to the rock. And Moses is like, you idiots. And he hits the rock, right? Does the right thing, but not God's way. God still feeds him. Well, Jonah here, and sometimes us, we can do the wrong thing, maybe the right way. Maybe we can think, you know what, I'm doing this, but man, still going to church, still tithing, I'm still trying to read my Bible, you know, I'm not swearing, you know, I jumped on the ship, probably thought, you know, I didn't take the complimentary uh, drink or the complimentary, you know, I'm not smoking or vaping here, you know, I'm just running. It's the beginning. And he's trying to get away from the Lord. And this lesson for Jonah is super important for us too. It says in verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Verse 3, it says, But Jonah. In verse 4, it says, But the Lord. Right? God's not done with Jonah. But the Lord sent out a great wind, and there was a mighty tempest. Right? God sends a storm on the sea for Jonah. God sends storms. You might be in one. There's storms of direction, Correction, instruction. Stone is, uh, Jonah's in a storm of correction right now. God is trying to correct him and wants to redirect his life because he's not done with him. He didn't say, all right, I'll get another prophet. I'll use someone else because he loves Jonah as much as the Ninevites. So God sends a storm. And you might be in a storm. You might know why you're there. You might have forgotten why you're there. Why things are getting harder and harder. Why it feels like you're going down, 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 down. But he sends out a great wind. And here comes a storm. 
And the mariners were afraid, it says. And every man cried to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. Storm reveals really who your God is, right? Everyone goes through storms. Might be money, right? And, and all right, you know, to take your mind off it, you work more. You work harder. You're trying to make money. Or you might say, man, I got to spend more money. That'll make me feel better. Let's, let's spend money. Or your God might be, you know, drugs or alcohol. And you think, man, this, I just got to relax a little. I need to settle down, whatever it is. It might be a relationship, gambling, pornography, right? And you find out in that storm it's not helping. You realize that God doesn't help, right? So they're crying to their God and nothing has changed. They're throwing the cargo out. And Jonah, here he is, he's in the lowest parts of the ship, and he was asleep. Here's the beginning of collateral damage for Jonah. He thinks, you know what, How, who, I'm not hurting anybody, just on the run, but it's costing everybody, costing these mariners, right? They're going to be accountable for all this stuff they're, they were paid to, to, to bring from point A to point B. And now they're accountable for that. And they chuck it out. They're trying to save their lives. And a lot of times we don't understand what it costs until it's too late. That didn't come out when Jonah walked onto the ship. He didn't get the itinerary and said, listen, you're about to go through the worst times of your life. This is going to be the worst situation you've ever dealt with, the worst storm you've ever been in. Welcome aboard. Keep going. Right? Jonah didn't get that information when he jumped on board. The devil omitted that. And he's sleeping. It's a shame. You know, God wants to use our lives, and we just sometimes fall asleep in the midst of hard things. God wants to use your life, use my life, and sometimes we're sleeping. We become a little selfish, self-centered. And especially when we're going through hard things, a storm, man, the devil just says, just lay down. Just take a nap. Forget it. What's the sense? That's where Jonah's at, man. I'm just cashing it in. I'm done. Right? The the, the cure isn't going to sleep. It's waking up. It's getting up. It's serving. I tell people all the time, listen, serve other people. Share with other people. Be a conduit of God's love. Let God speak to your life in this situation and speak into other people's lives. Let God use you. Don't say, forget it. I'm giving up. This is done. My marriage is over. My career is over. I'm in financial ruin, whatever it might be. So verse 6, it says, The captain came to him and said, Hey, what do you mean, sleeper? That's me every morning, my kids. What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Uh, what a rebuke that is from this unbeliever crying to whatever God he considers God. It's like Abraham 
there's a famine in the land in Egypt, and, and, and he flees to Egypt. And he tells his wife, just, hey, tell them you're my sister. Make sure they're going to kill me if not. And Pharaoh grabs her. Man, she's beautiful. Takes her into his harem. And then God rebukes Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh, in turn, rebukes Abraham. What are you doing? Why would you tell me that's your sister? What's wrong with you, right? And that's, and that's sometimes God lets that happen to us in the world. Man, you're doing something, drinking something, going somewhere. And there's somebody there like, man, I thought you were a Christian. What are you doing? Why are you here? Why are you talking to that person? Why, right? God, God puts somebody there in your path. And there's a rebuke. What are you, why are you sleeping? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so we, that we may not perish. So they said to one another, verse 7, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Right? It, God never let me get away with anything. I know I've shared that before. The Lord doesn't let me. You know, all my friends used to get away with everything. We could, you know, whatever we were doing, you know, my friends could do just about anything, never get in trouble, never get caught, never. I, you know, if I did it, done. You know, I'd be in trouble, get caught. And, you know, there it is. God, wait, it's Jonah. Who are you? What is going on? And that's what Numbers says. Be sure of this. Your sin will always find you out. And it's, they said to him in verse 8, Please tell us for whose cause this trouble is upon us. And what is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. Right? They, they begin to question him. Questions he has to answer. And, and sometimes that happens to us. Like, we go through things in our life and we got to think back. That's what it says in the book of Revelation as God speaks to uh, the church of Ephesus. He says, hey, remember from where you've fallen from. Remember who you are. And do those first works again. Get back. Right? So Jonah's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Hebrew, verse 9. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Right? They're, they're inquiring, who are you? What is going, you know, this is crazy. We've never been in a storm like this. And then verse 10, it says, The men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them, right? So Jonah apparently has this conversation with these guys and tells them more than just he's a Hebrew, right? He tells them, Listen, I'm running from God. I'm on the run. I'm supposed to go here. And I went here. And they're afraid. And verse 11 says, They said unto him, You know, what do we do then? That you, that you to you, that the sea may be calm for us. 
But the sea was growing even more tempestuous. Right? What do we do? What are we going to do? It's getting worse. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me in the sea, and the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Let me go, he says, right? Uh, you know, and they knew it was suicide to, let, to throw this guy over. Throw me into the sea? That's crazy. He'll die. Right? But sometimes that's what happens with people, close friends, people that you love. The Bible says sometimes people are on this road, Christians are on a road that's not good. They're doing things that aren't good. And, Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says, sometimes you have to turn people over. Just say, listen, I can't hang out anymore. Can't do things together anymore, man. I know you're living in sin. I know you're on the run from God. I, we just can't hang out. It's not that I don't care for you. It's because I love you. And the Bible tells me that that's what I should do. And the Bible says that we sometimes turn people over to the devil for the buffeting of the flesh, right, in hopes that someone might return. Hard thing. It's like a really hard thing, especially if you care for someone, to say, you know what? Sorry. Can't come. Not invited. <coughs> Difficult. Right? And that, you know, Jonah's like, throw me overboard. You've got to throw me overboard. I know what it's going to take. And they know, and, and they, you know, unfortunately, they're, if they're the Lord's, they know deep down that what they're doing is terrible and they're hurting everyone. Just throw me overboard. It's because of me. Nevertheless, verse 13, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please don't let us perish for this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done, have, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Imagine the scene. They pick this guy up, being in this storm that, that, that they literally are risking financial ruin by throwing all the cargo overboard. When they get there, they have to explain. It's that bad. They throw Jonah in and calm, just like that. The sea calms, storm calms, probably like glass out there. And it says, that, and the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they took vows. Right? A lot of people, when they're in the storm, and it's still raging, that's when they cry out to God. Oh, Lord, if you get me through this, I'll serve you. I'll do whatever, whenever, you know. And then the Lord blesses them, brings them through the storm, stops it, and then they never keep their vow. They're off running again. These guys, the storms come. This is a this is actually the first revival in the book of Jonah. The storm comes, everything's settled, and then then they make vows. They pray. They offer sacrifices. They make promises. Man, Lord, we're going to follow you. You're real. This is genuine. 
Sometimes our mistakes in our life, you know, the Bible says he works all things to the good for those who love God and who are the called according to his purposes. Sometimes God can take our mistakes and the storms we bring people through and he uses that in other people's lives. And that's what he does here with Jonah and the life of these men. And it says, verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of of the fish three days and three nights. You know, you, th- you can think sometimes when you're in the middle of a storm or, or trouble, what's going to happen? Is God even working? Does he care? And, and maybe you've got a, a wayward child or a spouse you know, I always think of this, that God prepared a fish for Jonah, threw him in, and something he didn't see, this fish was swimming the whole time, right? He's waiting, and you might be waiting. You can't see the fish, and you're wondering, man, is it, is it ever going to work out? Can this, is this person going to come back? Is this person, and, and you can stress and strive and try to control the situation, and the Lord's right there working. He's, got, he's already has a fish prepared, right? He prepared the storm, and now a fish. God is working, right? I love how the Lord works because it's unexpected. You, you sometimes can't figure it out. You don't know exactly what he's going to do, but he's working. We need to be patient, right? The devil did what he could because... So often, man, people that want to go wayward or they're running from the Lord, the devil's right there to open a door. He's got a door right there open for him to run away. Prepares uh, a ship and provides the money, but God sends a storm and, and prepares a fish. God is still working far more than the devil, right? And, and, he's, and he's working in your situation in my situation, because he cares, right? We need to be patient. So we're only going to go through chapter 1 today, and we're going to finish up next week, look at the conclusion of Jonah. So Lord, we're so thankful, God, for for the autobiography of a prophet who was rebellious, Lord, and, and who was disobedient, Lord, and could have easily justified what he was doing. Uh, and he's running. And you're so faithful, not just to, to Ninevites, to, but you're so faithful and loving, God, to, to, to Jonah, to people who stray, who actually started out knowing the truth, who were maybe raised knowing the Bible, God. You, you have a way of bringing the storms and preparing fish because you're not done with Jonah. You're not done with people's lives. You care so much, God. So we just give you our hearts, Lord. We give you our lives. We ask you to, to touch and to mold and to shape them, God. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You can all stand.